You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I'm Michael Jamin. I'm here with Phil Hudson. We got another... That's me. And I'm Phil so. over there. He's got a different voice. You can tell when he talks because he sounds different. <laughs> I do. I've been told. It's only my this brother, I... though. I don't like that. I don't like talking to my brother. Oh, interesting. Because you sound like you don't know who's talking. It just, when I hear my own voice, I'm like, that's my brother, Scott. And I don't care yeah, for that. I don't hear, I don't like hearing my own voice. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so today's episode is called Ideas Are Worthless, which is interesting because so many people think they're, when they're writing their spec feature or their whatever, I, they need a great idea. Or they'll say to me on social media, I have a great idea for a, sh- a pilot or a TV, you know, whatever movie. Uh, and I, my response is always the same. So, you know, mm. you think you have a great idea. If you maybe you do, so write it. But some people are just like, oh, I have a great idea. Who do I sell it to? No one. That job does not exist. No one. You can't be an idea person. No one wants to buy your idea. And that's because ideas are absolutely worthless. It's the execution of that idea that might be worth something. But the idea you don't need a good you don't need a great idea to write something great. You need a good idea, and even if you have a great idea, that doesn't mean you know what to do with it. And you wouldn't even know it's a good idea unless you were a writer. You may think it's a great idea because you have a giant ego, but doesn't mean you can do anything. With, you know, only a writer is going to know if it's a good idea because you don't know how many times people pitch me. I have a great idea. I'm like, that's not a great idea. That's a scene. That's a line. That's an attitude. That's not an idea. I've even been into meetings where people, executives say, pitch me ideas. I'm like, and I just roll my eyes. I'm like, that's not an idea. That's, you have nothing there. You have nothing there. And, uh, you know, I don't say it out loud, but uh, you're not going to, there have been times where I've gotten notes on something and I'll say, I wouldn't know how to write that. I wouldn't know Mm -hmm. how to write that scene. And I'm a professional writer. And it's because the person telling me they're not a writer. They wouldn't. So they think it's a great idea, but it's not unless, you know, I, if I don't know how to write it, it's not it's not a great idea for me. Right. Um, so again, there's no, you know, there's no job out there for idea person. You, some people have it. Like, you know, you might be a if you're a big shot at a at a, at a company. Um, if you're Katzenberg, you might you might be able to be the idea person. And so we'll often go into a meeting where a big shot producer will have an idea. And they'll pitch us an idea and we'll say, we'll do it. But it's not the idea that we're latching onto. It's them. It's their coattails. It's the fact that they can sell it and get it made. The idea is almost inconsequential. And I've been in meetings where big shot producers, this was this was before the pandemic. We met with a real big shot. Like I'm talking a big shot director, hit, hit movies. And uh, he had an idea. And I was all set to say yes, because it was, he was going to be attached but the idea was so terrible. Like we, we couldn't figure out a way to say yes because we couldn't. Like I, I don't know how to do this. So, but it wasn't again. The, it wasn't the. It, it all had to be in that case. It had to be a mediocre idea. We would have jumped onto it. But the idea of this idea was bad. I was like, ah, I don't know how to do that. Um, but isn't that selling out, Michael? Good. Isn't yes. It? Give me the, give me a paycheck. Uh, yeah. I, this is my living. I have to make a living. So if I, you know, I got to make. I, I I can't pretend like I'm some. Uh, how I mean, I'm an artiste. I got to pay the bills. So that's that's an important thing because I do know that a, my time in film school, where I was 10 years older than the people who were there with me, mm-hmm. a lot of that uh, 
pride of ownership and personal integrity, which I'm not saying you should throw out the window at all. I think you need to have integrity. It's the most valuable thing you have. Right. But there's a level of, you, you know, what you call artiste, you know, or the auteur that I think is going to get in the way of you making it as a professional. And going back to our last episode where we talk about resistance from Stephen Pressfield, like mm-hmm. that's that's a form of resistance, is resting on your scruples instead of executing the work that you've been called to do. Is well, that- yeah, a lot of times people think I'm too good for this. All right, well, then I guess you'll stay home and do nothing. You know, if you're too good yeah. for it, I, I don't I don't have that a- attitude. Well, you've received a lot of hate on social media for this, right? Just like, I'm <laughs> I don't know if I've got a lot, but, but some, what? <laughs> a, a lot more than most people would, I guess. Uh, uh-huh. uh, you're, you're a working writer. You're a professional. This is, you know, when people, like, give me a bag of money and I will give you my idea, right? Yeah. You can now take my script because that's the job. Yeah. If I, if I sell my script and you want it, it's yours now. Someone, yeah, yeah. someone commented, I think it was just today, that um, she made a comment like, ah, oh, I never heard of that show because I mentioned one of the shows I was written, I wrote on. I think it was Opening My Residuals. That's what it was. And uh, I never heard of that show. Oh, and that show sucks. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> both of them are better than the as shows you're, you're writing on. <laughs> as you're holding money, like money yeah. that's been sent to yeah. you years later. <laughs> she may have been right. Maybe, maybe the show, maybe it did suck. But you know what? It's better than what you're doing, honey. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I got to pay the bills. But some of them are show, some of the shows are really good and some of them are not so good. But uh, whatever. It's my profession. I, this is how I, I got to make this. Is, I, I do always do the best I can. But yeah, what, what are you going to do? So my question for you is in a situation like that, um, where you have this big director, big producer, whatever it is. And do you want to reveal who that was? Or do you, no, do I'm you, not going to say who it was okay, for right, sure. Cool. All right. But go ahead. Do you have a thought you want to just Well, I, I, on another thought, like, so if I said I had a great idea for a movie, like I'll say like Inception was a great idea for a movie. Uh, put it in my hands. I can't write it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> I, I could barely watch it and understand what's going on. So I can't write it. You, you, so a great idea is not enough. You also have to have the great person who can execute that idea. So, uh, and a lot of times people come up with like crazy ideas. This is a great idea. Okay. But can you write it? No, right. you can't write it. So what do you, what do you, what do you want from me? I mean, yeah. take, here's another great idea. Or, or here's a bad idea rather. Here's a bad idea for a movie. Uh, how about a movie about a poor boy who wins a lottery ticket and then, uh, but the, the winning ticket, he gets a tour of a factory. That sounds kind of, that sounds terrible. <laughs> that's Willy Wonka. <laughs> like, you know, that's a, everyone's favorite movie is Willy Wonka. But uh, that's a terrible idea, but it's executed so brilliantly. So yeah. the idea is nothing. Here's another terrible idea for a movie. Painfully shy girl can find love for everybody except herself. I mean, that's so that's right. At, it's a home. That's that's right out of the. I don't want to say that, but it's right out of like. <laughs> it's like it's like textbook. Painfully shy girl can find love for everyone but herself. That's the plot of Amelie, which is one of the yeah. be- my favorite movies. It's a brilliant. It was a work of art that movie because it was executed so well. Yeah. I, one other example, and I've probably said this before, but maybe not everyone listens to every podcast. But here's a bad idea for a movie: uh, a guy, young kid, gets out of college has an affair with an older woman, gets bored with her, and then winds up having sex with her daughter. That's the plot of a porn. But it's also the plot of one of the best movies ever made, The Graduate. And so it's all about the execution. The ideas, eh. The execution's fantastic. Yeah. All right. So for our longtime listeners, 
this topic might ring a really, really close to something that came out in episode 10, which is ideas versus execution. And I put this on the docket for us to talk about again because it's something we still get asked about, it's something we still get talked about in every Q&A we put out. There's a lot of these questions that come out. It's like, I have this great idea. Will you write it? How do I find a writer for my great oh. idea? It was a very common one you hear, right? Yeah. Why, Why would a writer want to write your idea? That's another thing. Don't you think writers have their own ideas? So they're going to take your idea. They're going to do all the work. They don't want to work with you. They just don't. They don't want your idea. They have their own ideas. And, you know, you're not bringing enough to the table. So you're not going to sell it. Get out of it. Get that out of your head. Write your own damn idea. You do the work. Yeah. And you'll discover it's not so easy. Well, then if it's not so easy, have a little more respect for what the writer has to do. Yeah. Stop razzing Michael when he wrote his checks from his bad show he wrote on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So for you, I was going to ask, um, when you work with these like mega directors and producers, like pride of ownership, right? How much pride of ownership do they have versus like ego do they have involved in this process when you're writing something for like, you know, you talk about you, Gunmarn DDS was produced by, uh, what's his name? Mike, Eisner? Mike, yeah, Michael Eisner. Yeah. Eisner, you know, head of Disney for forever, like did amazing things there in terms of the parks and the corporate side of things. But what, what about, uh. What about working with those types of people? And not him specifically, because I don't want you to like call call him out for anything good or bad. Just, just generally when you're working with people who can be the idea person because they have that club. Oh. Well, first of all, television is very collaborative um, mm. as a rule. So you don't really get a lot of people with this. Like, it's my, I'm an auteur. That's really not what TV is. It's very, you're working with actors, other writers, directors, other creative people. So you're working together. And so compromises have to be made because you're working with people and that's why I don't feel what we do is art. When you're making art, you're not, you shouldn't be compromising. You should be doing what you want to do. And this is your expression. But when you're making commerce, you have to sell it. And compromises have to be made. And they should be made. And so that's why I don't feel like I'm a, when I write TV, I'm, I'm more of a craftsman. When I'm writing my own stuff, my, my collection of personal essays, that's the closest I've ever come to art. Because it's like, it's what I want to say. And no one else yeah. is telling me what to say. Uh, but, you know, working for people like that, even with the case of Michael Eisner, who came up with this idea, he was, he gave us a lot of latitude. There's only a couple times where he had it. He really wanted to do something and I would try to talk him out of it. <laughs> and he was not, he'd kind of give you this, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you're going to do it my way. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> we had a couple of those. He wrote the check, sir. He wrote the check. Right. Yeah. I, so I. We, we did it his way and that's, that's fine. It was fair. That's fair. I, I, you know, I spend the money. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So coming back and making this like actionable for our listeners. Um, how do you know whether an idea is worth writing? Like what, what is the mechanism for that? And I know you go into detail in your course on this, but what, yeah. for, for those who are not in the course, what's some valuable insight to say, I got five ideas here that came to me. One was in a dream. One is something I read in the newspaper. One I was just driving in traffic. Which one should I go after? Right. With, you know, sometimes you just have a setting or a scene or something. Uh, to me, an idea is one where you, where you know there's enough meat on the bones to turn into an episode of television or a movie or whatever. But, to, but also, an idea is one, a good idea will, emo, will evoke an emotional reaction for me when I think about it and a strong emotional reaction and that you go okay there's there's probably something there you don't have to approach it that way there are times where my partner are working on a project and and we go oh kind of that's an interesting area to explore that hasn't really been done yet 
but for me, what's what I find most interesting is is if it gets an emotional reaction out of me. Uh, I think that highlights something we talk about very regularly on the podcast, which is as a writer, you basically have to be okay with your emotions and in tune with them, right? Whether it's yeah. therapy or whether it's being vulnerable, vulnerable might be the optimal word for this. You mm-hmm. have to be aware of your emotions because your job is to put the, that emotion into the reader or the viewer. Yeah. And I worked once with a you know, young writer and she was, we were talking about something. She goes, Oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't go, I can't go there. I won't, I won't say, I can't talk, even think about stuff like that. And I was like, I didn't, I was like, you're kind of missing the job. You don't understand what the job of the writer is then. I mean, this is your job. This is do something else then. Or I guess you could find some kind of work as a writer where you're writing something that's real, you know, I don't know, that doesn't go deep. Maybe it's children's programming or something, but, uh, uh, or something silly or light, but, and there are shows that you can do that, but it's hard to make a career out of doing just that. It's like, that's really hard, you know, to find, just to jump from show to show that has, that skips that level. People say to me all the time, like, well, how do you, cause I've written some very, uh, you know, the show's a, a broad spectrum of like Wilfred, which was real surreal and Marin, which is dark and gritty. And then I also did Brickleberry, which is filthy and light. And then, <laughs> you know, and then King of the Hill. And so the, I, the tone is all over the map. And so they're like, well, how do you do that? How do you write for so many different kinds of shows? That's the easy part. The, you know, it would have been much harder to have a career if I could only do one thing, you know, yeah. then I'd be like, you know, imagine if I, yeah, if I, if I only could write like, um, you know, kind of slapstick, then that'd be fine. I get on a show where it's all slapstick humor, but when that show goes down, what, then what? Right. Right. Um, we've used the metaphor of arrows in a quiver before, right? Different mm-hmm. skill sets that you develop and you keep them so that you can use them when you need to. And I think refining that, which is kind of the theme of the last couple of podcasts we've done, the last couple of episodes, is you need to build that muscle and strengthen that so that you have the memory to pull it off when you can. Yep. Whether it's understanding what your first page should be, what you're understanding when to end something, when to stop writing something, when to um, pursue an idea. And yeah. So emotional response for idea. I love that. You mentioned with your personal essays, mm-hmm. you keep a list of things that you want to talk about, right? These subjects yeah. or things. At your show, you mentioned that those are basically memories that you want to explore. And then you find patterns and kind of weave them together. Yeah. You go in a really cool process when you talk about that. Um, for what you're doing with your writing partner, do you, you and Seymour have a list of things that you're writing? Do you no, have, or, no. or do you come up with we'll it just, and sit down and say, we're going to do something new now? Yeah, we, we'll just throw out ideas. And it, it, the idea has to be one that we're both on board with. So uh, there has to be enough meat on that bone. There's, to a, there's a litmus test, though, that yeah. says that yeah, that's worth pursuing. Yeah. And as far as like the personal essays, because like, you, you went, when you saw the show, like the piece is about one thing, but then sometimes I, as I, travel in this piece, I'll take a side trip and I'll explore a different memory, which is, and then I'll come back to it. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's kind of, what, and then where does that take me? But that little memory that I took a side trip was would not have been enough to base a story on. You understand? So that's why I put it into the piece, into a, into but, a larger but piece. But it some beautiful detail that yeah, pays but on its, later. Yeah. But on its own, it's not enough. And so that's the a, difference between knowing you know, a story, B story, basically. Right? Well, not really, because it's not like I, like usually a B story, you'll, it'll fill the whole episode. It'll, you'll keep coming back to it. But as you saw, 
and these pieces that I did, sometimes you just take a side little memory, uh, like jumping in a puddle or whatever when I was a yes. little boy. Like, that's it. It was only about a half a page. And but then we just move off. on. And then I bring it back. At the end, because it, it, it ties it back to this beautiful core thing, right? Yeah, that was yeah. about me showing that even though I thought I was a man, I was still a little boy. Um, <laughs> but And I intentionally wrote it that way. But that one memory would not have been enough to... To, sure. to entertain an audience for any length of time. You know? Okay, awesome. So when you're sitting down with with Steve and you're coming up with things, are you um, are you thinking about current events? Are you thinking about things you've seen in the news? Are you um, things you found on social media? Like, how does that pitch process go? The the current pro- project that we have set up at at Peacock, that idea came to us from the talent, from the producers. So they had this idea and like, hey, can yeah. you write this? And we're like, sure. And so it certainly was not any, it wasn't our first choice. It wasn't our idea. So it was their right. idea. They asked if we could write it and we thought, well, they have enough clap to get this made. Sure, let's do it. Uh, and then when, when you get into it, you feel like it's yours. You take ownership of it. But in the beginning, it's, it's not. It's clearly their idea. Uh, the other idea we're working on, we haven't sold it yet. We haven't taken it out yet. I can't talk about it, the details. Um, that was um, that was just brainstorming. Got, just coming up with ideas that kind of entertained us. And... In this case, I pitched an idea and he goes, oh, that's funny. And then he built, Steve built on it. And then that, you know, it was back and forth. Um, but often it's gotcha. the other way around. Maybe even more often than not, Steve will come up with an idea and uh, he'll say, what do you think of this? And then I'll say what I like about it and what I want to explore, what I, and, and then we'll go down that road. So yeah, it's just always about narrowing down what's the avenue we're going to go down. Got it. We, we Got probably it. do that more often, yeah. Cool. Um, for a lot of writers, I think I've seen a lot of writers, so I don't want to speak generally, you know, generalities too much, but I've seen a lot of writers spend a lot of time working on writing exercises. Um, and I've personally found some of those to be very valuable. We did a whole podcast episode on them. I'll pull up the number and put it in yeah. the notes and link back to that. You have one that's a specific, it's like one specific exercise. And then we talked about like Sundance and some of the things that they do for those exercises. For you, do you find yourself doing any writing exercises or outside of your personal essays? Or did you in your earlier career, mid-career? Or is it just... And, and let me preface this. You mentioned you have a notebook of writing, you know, this is like rules of writing or, or lessons about writing. Yeah. Separate from that, is there anything that you've done to just kind of hone your ability to create characters or to kind of come up with ideas or... or Oh, I never did. The only time I did was when I was in a writing class and the teacher would say, all right, go this weekend. You're going to write a scene about this. And then you give us the setup and then we come back and it turns out (laughs) and then we'd all write it in. And he was never happy with anything. I wrote. And (laughs) as it turns out, the ideas were all basically premises of (laughs) of love American style, which was an old show, I guess, like in maybe early 70s. And so he was basically throwing out ideas that they'd already shot. And he'd say, so, okay, what's your take on this? And then, mm. and then we would write that. I didn't, we didn't know that at the time. But um, <laughs> so that was an exercise because you're only writing one scene. You weren't writing all. And, okay. and that's fine. It, it's totally okay to write one scene uh, as long as it's, um, as long as it has a, nice, has a good shape to it. 
Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watchlist. I think about writing exercises and going back to that uh, conversation of like bodybuilding that we had. It's um, how do I train this muscle? Because this muscle needs to match in size and proportion to this muscle. It's, and that's skill sets. Like I'm training this skill set, which helps me fulfill my craft and my ability. And I think of that macro and then micro. Like what are the macro things I need to do or know how to do? Break a story, write right. an outline write a first draft, understand, and then down act breaks. What's a good act break? What's a good in? What's a, what's a good tag? What's a good, you know, cold open? Deeper. What's a yeah. good interaction in the scene? How do I get in and out of this scene? How does this scene relate to this scene? Then plan. How do I plan it here? How do I pay that off in the third act? This is getting tighter and tighter. And we talked about as well in another podcast of that Josh Waite skin, Art of Learning, making small circles bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that to me is what writing exercises are, and that is worth its its weight in gold at a certain level. But that can also be a distraction from doing the work of writing a, a pilot, right. writing that script, that spec script. Um, you got to do the bigger work still. You can't get caught up in these daily things. And I think a lot of people tend to think I'm a writer because I do writing exercises. And if that's all you want to do, that's fine. But if your goal is to be a professional screenwriter, poet, novelist, you still have to put in the work and execute to get a deliverable. Yeah. Well, one other thing I could mention is that um, even when we first start, whether you're writing a pilot or just an episode of a television show, usually the first day or so is you're just, you know, you're, you're, you have an idea that you like and it's all, I don't know, stream of conscious. It's like you're, it's, you're brainstorming stuff. You're not, you're acting out scenes and often I'll do this in the writer. I'll just start acting out a scene <laughs> and, and if something sticks, you'll know. And it sometimes it doesn't even make it into the show, which is like, this is too bad. That was a funny scene, but it, it opened doors. And so often the very, very first step of writing is not writing at all. It's just talking. It's not even, it's just about really exploring what could, what could be interesting about this, that, mm-hmm. and just taking notes and then just finding it. And then another the day you'll actually might sit down and actually do the work. But a lot of writing, at least in the beginning, is just talking. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've seen that, and that's I've seen some beautiful stuff come out of those conversations in the writers' room, not to come mm-hmm. FD, um, that lead to stories, you know, that end up being episodes, and maybe not even this season, but next season, we start exploring that specific situation. So, yeah, really cool process that uh, that happens in that world. Yeah, those guys on Tacoma, they're great at it because Steve and Kevin, the showrunners, they come in on the off season with like one liners. And often it's like there's not even, there's just not enough there, but it's enough, uh, not even for a story, but they go, oh, this is a scene. And then the challenge then is to figure out, well, how do we turn that into a story, uh, knowing that they like this one little moment? Can we build to it or can we start from it? Uh, but it's great that they bring that in because you go, okay, so that piece is locked into place now. Good. We got something that we can build from. <laughs> Would you say that's atypical for most writers in the writing? I think so. Yeah, I think they, these guys come in with an agenda, which is great because we hit the floor running, hit the ground running because we don't have a lot of time on this show. So the fact that they do that, other shows often writers are expected to pitch ideas, but in this show, yeah, they the have blue ideas. Sky period is that what that's called? I forget. Yeah, that. 
Yeah, or yeah. you come in for pitch, and which I there's it, always a lot of pressure on it. But this, they have ideas that love perfect. I love that. Let's do something <laughs> that you love. I don't have to get you on board. You already like it. So now my job is to figure out how I can help you make that, which is great. Yeah. Awesome. In another episode of, uh, of our podcast, we talk about theme, right? Which is like, what is that emotional thing or what's the thing we're exploring in this piece? Mm-hmm. Um, theme versus idea. And, and I know that you've talked and you mentioned even earlier, it can be just a, a setting. It can be a, a situation. It can be a character. It can be a moment. As far as the difference between theme and idea, do you find one's better for writing you know, I often put the the theme is often the last thing I put into the work. Uh, that's kind of the art. And so when you talk about even that, we shouldn't talk about it too much because no one was there, you know. No, but when you saw the piece that I performed the other week, um, and so real fast. So that was a piece about how I was dated this girl in college. And, um, and uh, I built her up in my mind. And then when I got to, finally got to know her, she was, it wasn't, you know. It wasn't as perfect as I did. And it was all my fault because I built her up. It was all my doing. And so, and I likened that to, she had a nervous habit that she wasn't aware of. And I likened that to basically when I was a child, I had jumped into a puddle and I got all wet and I hated it. And, and I wanted to get dry right away. But my mother's like, you have to wait because we're not home. And then I call it back later. And so it kind of like one of the themes of that was really intolerance and, and the fact that I just couldn't, I, when I have a problem, I got to end it fixed now. And I still have this problem today. I still have to use, as you know, I still have to get things. I got to fix it now because if I don't, I'll forget about it or it won't get done. Yeah. And so that's a theme that I carry through. But um, but that's only the, that's like the last touch I put on it. I wouldn't have possibly thought of, it's more like when you're thinking of wrapping it up, when you're kind of hitting at the end of the, usually at the end of the piece, you're wrapping it up and you go, okay, what are some threads? What are some st- that I can tie together in here? What's something I can carry all the way through and tie it up in a bow as if I intended to write it that way? So what are <laughs> the things awesome. that are here? What's the garbage in here that I can pull through and make everyone think I'm a brilliant writer by tying it up, even though that was never my intention? Mm. And that's, that's all last draft stuff, not first draft. That's wonderful. I wonder if I'm spending too much time focusing on theme, though, because I find that theme helps me understand what I'm trying to get across here. Oh, and I'm exploring that theme, and and maybe I maybe it can go both ways. And, yeah, and I don't want to put a disclaimer on it. It's just a, an interesting process difference here, right? And yeah, sometimes because I th- I think like okay, I want to explore um, belonging. Right, which right. is like the second feature I wrote. I want to explore belonging and, and how can I do that? And I know I've got my character and I know I've got this interesting thing that's like a real thing that happened in this place I was in when I was a missionary uh, on the border. But how can I make this about belonging? And then it's like, well, who's my character and what does she want? And where does that come from? From What's our family like? And, and I plug that together to string that across. And that's the emotional arcs I'm going through throughout that episode to hit that belonging story. Yeah, you could do that before. Sometimes when I'm working with my partner, we'll battle something we know in advance. And that's because we break the story on the board, so we yeah. kind of have an idea. But when I'm writing my own stuff, I don't break it. I just discover it. But for sure, in every episode, there's every episode we write, there's a word that we tend to overuse yeah. and might be like belonging. We might, the characters, we have, every character probably says belonging way too much because that's the theme we're carrying through. And we'll often joke, drink, you know, when someone we drink, it's like a drinking game. You said belonging. Right. And then we'll do another pass where we'll 
take out that word belonging, we'll substitute it, or with another word similar to belonging, or uh, we'll just pull it back a little so it's not, so you, the viewer, are not, it's not so obvious that that's the theme is, but if you think about it, it's there, you know? Yeah. You don't want to hit people over the head with it. Yeah, appreciate that. You talk about the difference, you know, it's not the idea, it's the execution, which I think if, if we ever had a shirt, that would get idea yeah, over sure. execution um yeah let us know if you want merch we'll just we'll yeah some merch but so, did you see at the show i don't know if you were at that show someone was like when are you going to start selling merch <laughs> I, <wasn't at> that <laughs> show. I was like all right well i go what do you want do you want a hat do you want a mug do you want a pencil she wasn't clear on what she wanted just literally a right just a michael jamin typewriter you're, you're going to yeah. commission your own typewriter you're going to find <laughs> the manufacturer uh that's funny um but idea versus execution we talk about that so we can come up with ideas and everyone's got an idea and they all stink, right? And the execution is what makes it good. How do you get better execution? And I think I know the answer, but how do you get better at the execution of the idea? Well, it's just practice. I mean, it's just over and over. I mean, there's no way around it. There's no, you know, sometimes people say, I get this a lot on social media. Do you have any tips? I'm like, you know, I'm writing, a, I'm writing a first thing, uh, you know, my first script. Do you have any tips? I'm like, yeah, study screenwriting. Like tips. You know, you study the craft. There's no tip. There's no, there's no hack. There's no, no, you know, leave your car on overnight. There's no, it doesn't work like that. You got to study it. You got to, and, and work at it. That's my tip. Yeah. I, I knew that was the answer, right? It's you got to do the yeah. work. You got to show the work and you got to put in the hours. Uh, we call it mat time. In Brazilian yeah. You just got to be on the mats and you got to learn the process. Um, when you first started, I was wondering what was your first original idea that you wrote? Like, yeah. That's the funny thing is when I first started, um, the, you wouldn't, they were all, they didn't have original ideas. I wrote spec scripts. I wrote scripts, sample scripts of existing shows. And I wrote a bunch of them, everything. I, I probably wrote a dozen or whatever. I never wrote anything original, a movie or a pilot on my own ever. I did it with my partner probably 10 years into our career when we first got our, our first development deal. But uh, and times have changed, unfortunately. Now new writers are expected to write original material, which is so much harder, I feel. It's so much harder. Yeah. So, but you still learn how to execute an idea. You were just doing it within the world that had been created right. by somebody else. Right. Here are the five characters you get to play with. Here are the types of stories they tell on this show. Now yeah. you get to do your version of it, which did is you find immensely easier. Easier. But did you find that the, that that process helped you develop that muscle the same way a spec would, like a, a spec pilot? It's, so, it's such a different skill. And it's such a different skill set. I don't even know. It's so unfair that they make people do, young writers or emerging writers do this. It's so, it's so unfair. Um, it's, you know, it, yeah, there's so much to learn. And you're saying, no, build the world and make it fantastic. It's like, well, first thing they need to learn is how to tell a story. You know, and it's so I did. I, I feel bad for them. It's so unfair, but this is the this is how it is now. Yeah, gotcha. And then, on the same vein of of conversation we're having, I was wondering when you knew that you could execute. At what point in your career were you like, okay, I can do this. Uh, I can do this right. Well, we wrote a pilot together. Our first pilot that we did together was really well received. Uh, I think we wrote it for Paramount. Um, they loved it. And so great, but we were terrified every step of the way. Like you never think you can do it. Um, 
and then even when I was starting my collection of personal essays, you know, that was on my own. That was that was about my partner. And even then, I was like, can I do this? You know, and every time I start a new story, and I wrote twenty one in that book. Every time I start a new story, can I do this? <laughs> yeah. Do I know how to do this? It's terrifying. It's like I don't know because every story is different. And the funny thing is, and I mentioned this in the show, once it's written, if and if it's well written, it seems like. It was always there. Obviously, this is the story. Right. But how could you not know from the beginning? How did you not know? But when I'm writing it, nothing's obvious. When you're that, when you're staring at that that blank page, none of it's obvious. I have no freaking idea how we're gonna figure this out. I really don't. Yeah. So I just start writing, and then often, often, and I have to remind myself of this. I don't discover what the story is until halfway through, and then I go back and rewrite the hell out of it on. You're talking about draft, you know, 20 at this point. So yeah. um, it's such a long process. And then people say, well, oh, you should put on a show once a month. Listen, I'd love to if I could write a story a month that would be worth, <laughs> worth putting on. It doesn't happen that fast. Yeah, that's, that's another really important piece of advice you gave me because I try to go fast on things. And they were just like, give yourself a month to write that spec or give yourself a month to write that pilot. It doesn't need to be something you spit out. And that's the first draft, right? You're encouraging. Oh, God. Someone left a comment on social media and he was like, he was like, well, really? I wrote my, I wrote a whole pilot in a, in a half a day. I'm like, okay, well, all right. So you're either a genius or you're an idiot. And I'm tempted to think you're an idiot. Because, you know, it's not that easy. Half a day, man. How do you do that? You know, um, Kevin Lewandowski, who's in your course, and, um, you know, he, he's been very open about how much he's appreciated the course. He's a script coordinator now uh, because of, he, he jumped from PA to script coordinator because the samples he was writing were good enough that the executive producer, the non-writing executive producer, wanted to help him out. He's like, okay, right. you've got some talent here. Um He's like, I timed it, and it's about forty hours to get through a pilot just to write a first draft from the from the inception to timing. Like, it's going to take at least forty hours. And a couple of people, my in my at least at my level, that in my sphere, my my peers that I'm talking to, you know, it's maybe you could put out a pilot in two weeks, but it's not done. It's a draft. It's a first draft. Yeah, forty hours sounds real fast. To be honest, that sounds fast to me. Like, because you got to understand, a team of writers working full time in a writer's room, from idea to let's shoot this thing, this episode. We're not talking about a pilot. I'm talking about an average episode. You're you're talking about at least five or six weeks, you know. And people working full time. So and that's to get to a a, a draft, right? Like a a, 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 draft a shooting draft. Finish. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're talking just bare bones, crap draft. You got it out. Now you can sit down and start rewriting it. Well, that this would be, guy's talking about one day, like half a day. To yeah, do we, that. I mean, the guy, you know, you never know what how what kind of crazy pills these people are on. I mean, so you just don't know. I mean, sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll take a team of writers working full time at least a week just to break the story on the board, just to figure out what this story is about before a word is written. So, uh, Michael, awesome. Appreciate the uh, the great insights here again. I think uh, revisiting this topic was helpful for me at a different stage and for many of your original listeners, I think so as well. For your new listeners, I encourage you to go back to episode 10 and listen to that. You're going to hear a lot of the same conversation in that because the answer is not changing, right? It's yeah. execution is important. Sometimes you, you got to hear it over and over again before it sinks in. That's how it is for me. So go, you know, 
yeah, don't be frustrated. But, but you'll see the nuance. That there's a difference in the conversation between the first one and this one. And, and I think that exploring, you know, these subjects of theme and, and go back and listen to the whole thing because we talk, we have deeper conversations about each of these topics that we're going through here that kind of build to this moment where we are talking about how do I execute that idea at a higher level. And I think yeah. for the people who have been here for a long time, I think I think I can speak for them and say they're going to get a lot of value out of this episode. And, uh, you know, again, thank you for being open to sharing this information and your experience with everybody. I, I get so much out of it every time we have these conversations. Yeah, it's fun. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Get on, subscribe to our watch list, which is our free weekly newsletter uh, at michaeljammon.com slash watch list. You can find me on social media at Michael Jammon Writer on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, we got a free lesson. If you want to go get, grab that at michaeljammon.com slash free. If you want to find out where I'm touring with a paper orchestra. Oh, a lot of, we got a lot of websites you got right down here. <laughs> michaeljammon.com slash upcoming. You can find this all on my website, michaeljammon.com whatever yeah, that, that's the easier way go to the show notes there's links to everything right there and sign up for everything that's what i recommend. okay Love all it. right everyone. thanks so much until next time bye-bye this has been an episode of screenwriters need to hear this with michael jamin and phil hudson if you'd like to support this podcast please consider subscribing leaving a review and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject for free daily screenwriting tips follow michael on instagram facebook and tiktok at michael jamin writer you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.